everybody, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of RVA Tech Talks. This is Ford, your host. And just as a quick reminder, this is a podcast about Richmond technologists. And I sit down with some of the most brilliant minds of Richmond's tech scene and ask them about what they're up to and kind of break down the keys to their success. Thanks so much to this week's sponsor, Summit Human Capital. Summit Human Capital is thrilled because they just celebrated their second year here in business in the Richmond area. And their founder and CEO is actually a born and bred Richmond native. And Summit Human Capital, as a result, is all in when it comes to supporting the tremendous growth in the tech sector here in Richmond. And they accomplish all this by providing world-class premier IT human capital solutions. And they focus these solutions not only on bringing top talent into the Richmond area, they help to retain the top talent here in the Richmond community. Hey guys, I'm Ford and I host a podcast called RVA Tech Talks, where I sit down with the gurus of Richmond's tech scene and ask them what they're interested in, what they're working on, um, what they're excited about, and kind of pick their brains in general. So I have with me today, Miriam, um, but I also have uh, Zach, who um, you guys may or may not know. Um, and we're gonna talk for the next 26 minutes uh, about um, what they're up to, um, about the, their take on the data summit in general. And, um, and that's it, and we're gonna call it a wrap and we're gonna continue on your day. So guys, thanks for joining me on stage. Thanks for having us. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, uh, so first, um, I want to simply ask you who you are uh, for people who may not have uh, picked up on it yet or looked at you up otherwise. Um, and how did you get to be the Zach and Miriam that people know today? With specific regard to data, yeah. I suppose. I'm gonna let Zach go first. All right, uh, so I'm Zach Brown. Uh, I'm a recovering physicist, so I got my PhD from uh, the College of William & Mary in computational physics in 2014. Uh, then I realized that um, trying to juggle uh, my physics career, my wife's physics career, as well as the budding physics career of my, uh, our two-year-old son, uh, that that wasn't going to work super, super well. Uh, so I moved into uh, business and analytics, and I've kind of bounced around a couple places, uh, but really, really enjoyed the journey going from uh, doing lots of data intensive uh, and data processing and analytics work for pure science to like kind of translating that to business use cases. So uh, yeah, and uh, I've when I moved up to Richmond in 2014, uh, there wasn't a huge analytic scene. There were a, a few uh, awesome little pockets around, uh, but I feel like it's really, really grown over the past couple of years. Um, so uh, one of the things that actually got me started with just getting involved in the community when I first moved up here was uh, a meetup that uh, Peter Fries, who was actually uh, a presenter earlier, uh, ran called the RVA Data Hackers, and that like kind of let me see this awesome like small group of uh, data enthusiasts in the in the area. So it kind of uh, grew from there, and I've been trying to be involved with the community uh, ever since. Yeah. Awesome. Um, I'm Miriam Friedel, and for those of you physically here, you've been hearing me talk all day. I've had the honor of being the MC of this event. Like Zach, I am also a recovering physicist. I have a PhD in physics as well. Uh, from there, I went to work in management consulting for a little while. That was mostly business-focused in the transportation industry. I then went to work in a neuroimaging lab where I did a lot of statistics in R and Python, uh, doing imaging for mouse brains, actually. And then I moved to Charlottesville, Virginia in 2014, which is where I am now based. And that's when I got into data science, first as a research scientist at Elder Research, a consultancy there. And then I went on to lead uh, their commercial analytics team. And then about two years ago, 
I joined the startup Scoffos, where I'm at now, uh, and we're building um, you know, products in the retail and e-commerce space that, that leverage machine learning. So it's been, a, it's been a great ride, and I feel really fortunate that not only does Charlottesville have an incredible community, but I've been able to participate in this community uh, as well. I've spoken at uh, you know, one of the meetups that Zach uh, runs with uh, his wife Katya, and it's just been very welcoming. Uh, this, this was an awesome conference last year, and it is this year as well. So I'm really happy to be here. Awesome. So today is the second of two days, and I want to ask sort of the general spirit of the conference or the, the summit uh, from y'all's perspective, but also specifically kind of what the theme of yesterday was, like what was the point of yesterday, and then what is the point of today? Um, so maybe we can answer that in reverse order. Maybe, Zach, you could explain what yesterday was all about. Miriam, explain what today is all about, and then either of you could kind of say what the, the whole idea, like why we're here in general. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so last year when we had this summit, uh, we, we had a great turnout. There was a lot of enthusiasm from the community. And one of the things that we didn't offer last year that we saw uh, a, an appetite for in the community was just some training or general workshops around, like, how do you actually implement this stuff? Like, getting, getting hands-on with, with things. So that's what we were trying for. Uh, that's what we were aiming for with the workshops yesterday. So we kind of uh, partitioned them into a beginner track for folks that don't have a lot, don't do a lot with Python and or data analytics in their day to day job, and kind of like get them from zero to sixty in the course of an afternoon. And then the other track was uh, for folks that are like hands on practitioners actually doing this stuff every day. What are some of the hotter topics that we could focus on for that? So we had uh, Miles Baker from Databricks uh, presenting that track and uh, a computational scientist from Virginia Tech, Srijit, uh, presented that track as well. And they, they focused on um, deep learning using Apache Spark, so like all of the hotness there, and uh, also AutoML, which is uh, trying to take over our jobs, but it hasn't yeah. quite done that yet. So, uh, and did you have a track, or did you have a workshop? Uh, no, no. I, uh, I was helping out there, moderating the room. So I was gotcha. helping out in the, uh, in the more entry-level entry room, uh, focusing on how do we actually just do analytics with some new tooling that, that folks maybe not uh, maybe might not be familiar with. Gotcha. Okay, and then that takes us to today. And what's sort of the theme of today? Well, I think the theme today is similar to yesterday where there were you know, hands-on workshops for people who are new to, to analytics and data science versus people who are doing you know, Apache Spark and, and you know, all the hotness there, as Zach said. You know, today is intended to also have that same breadth going from really technical, here's how you solve specific machine learning problems, all the way to some of the keynotes that we heard this morning that are taking a broader organizational look at things. And so we really wanted to, today to have pieces for everybody from the executive all the way down to the student, really, and just encompassing, since data science is very broad, machine learning is very broad, and having a little bit for everybody. Totally. So at the end of the conference, people are going to walk away. They're going to have learned a bunch of stuff. They're going to be excited. The hype is real. And the biggest question for me is, what are they going to do? What are they supposed to do with all that energy and excitement and enthusiasm and the knowledge that they've picked up and, and experiencing all of these use cases? Like, how do they take all that, that pizzazz and take that into their day jobs and what they're doing currently, which is maybe much different from what they learned about, um, and, uh, and actually make something happen? What are some kind of thoughts you guys have? 
Oh, that's a good one. I'll say first, I know tonight I'm going to go home and like have a glass of wine and take a nap. Like it usually takes me a few days to (laughs) synthesize all of the information, even being here moderating and listening to all the talks. But I think hopefully everyone will come away from this learning something new, whether it's a new technical, like a, a very specific technique or how to frame a problem, or maybe even just being aware of a different function within their business that they could reach out to someone and talk to them and say, hey, maybe we could work together to to work on this problem together. So I think I'm hopeful that everyone comes away with at least one practical, actionable nugget of information. Hmm. But I think what that nugget is is going to vary from person to person. I don't know what you think, Zach. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, actually, I'll I'll, uh, go back to your talk this morning. I think that you did a really good job of highlighting all of the, so a lot of times with data and analytics, people focus on machine learning and focus on model building, but there's this whole ecosystem of stuff that needs to happen to, to get any of that working in a business. So I hope that a lot of the, the folks maybe higher up the ladder than myself can really take that to heart and really start to understand that it's not just hiring a, a team of data scientists that can execute on all of this stuff, but setting them up for success and like connecting the pieces between product folks, tech folks, and, uh, and the business and really enabling them to be successful. Uh, from a more tactical standpoint, uh, I've already seen uh, a whole bunch of cool things in the, I mean, I'm moderating the technical room, so I've seen a whole bunch of like very tactical stuff, like analytics uh, things that I can take home. And I'm hoping that other folks try to start saying like, hey, well, I, I saw that this guy did this thing. I have this slightly similar use case in my, uh, in my work that maybe I can work on side of desk or something, prove out some value, and then, uh, and then run that up the ladder and hopefully start generating more value for the businesses around. Totally. I'd like to pause for a moment to give a quick shout out to this week's sponsor, Summit Human Capital. Over the past two years, having earned the confidence of their clientele and the love of their clientele, covering the industries of government services, healthcare, IT, supply chain, logistics, and so on. The folks at Summit Human Capital have achieved a 2,000% growth rate, and they've established a huge family consisting of over 30 associates over 10 states. Their mission is pretty simple. They want to build deep, profound, and genuine relationships, and in turn, positively change lives. If you're a candidate that's ready to make another career move, or if you're an employer with a talent gap on your specific team or in the overall IT department, please reach out to summithumancapital.com and allow these folks to prove why their retention rate is far higher than the industry standard. Summit Human Capital, positively changing lives by connecting talent to opportunity. Right now, in 2020, uh, we are where we are, but looking back five to 10 years, what are some of the sort of pain points and what's some of the areas of friction that we've solved for um, now that we are where we are? And then what are some current areas of sort of friction that we are experiencing? And then where do we see ourselves in five to 10 years? That's kind of a big question, but um, maybe start with what have we solved for really well in the data science community? And then what are we trying to solve? And then what do you think our problems are going to be ahead that we should maybe kind of keep our eye on? So I'll tell you one thing I can think that we, that I saw much more as a pain point, you know, maybe five, six years ago that I don't see as much anymore is the whole notion of storing data in the cloud, you know, like the migration, you know, everyone used to have all these big, you know, data stores in your SQL database and then, you know, the cloud, ooh, should I store everything in the cloud? And sometimes it makes sense to do that and sometimes it doesn't, but I think the notion of... I'm just going to quickly spin up an AWS bucket or a Google Cloud bucket and put some data in there to prototype something. Or, you know, being at a startup, we don't have any data on-prem, right? Like, it's all 
in the cloud, which is, a, I mean, there's obviously a server someplace. Like, the cloud isn't a magical place. There's actual hardware somewhere. Well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I think that's one thing that used to be a much bigger point of friction. I think there still is some friction for older businesses who have some migration and need to have a hybrid, some on cloud, some on-prem. But I, I think that that used to be much more of a headache for people than it is currently. So that's one challenge I see. Yeah. Yeah, I've definitely seen a lot like more just open adoption of cloud technologies and people are more embracing that stuff now. Another switch that I've seen uh, just in the past five or 10 years is uh, people more openly embracing just machine learning and data science in general. It's, I, don't, I think that it's kind of gone through at least one part of the hype peak and now it's not, every, I think everybody's starting to get more realistic expectations so people aren't just seeing it as this magic silver bullet that's going to solve all the things but people are also understanding that they need to start incorporating machine learning and data science into their their just into their products from the ground up and embracing it uh, as they're building things out and thinking of baking that into their bottom line. So, in 2020, what are the friction points right now? Well, one that we've experienced at Scafos is the computing machine learning on edge devices. So even though that's less of a focus for us now, it's something we see, right? If you if you want to do inference, you know, well, first of all, when you're training a machine learning model and you're running on, you know, AWS or GCP or whatever, you have tons of compute resources. But if you actually need to deliver that to a phone, your resources are much more limited, right? You don't have infinite computational power. And so how, how that works, right? I think not just on the phone, but on other edge devices, you know, we hear about IoT. So I think figuring all of that out, both from a technology standpoint, but also from a privacy standpoint, right? When we heard Beth talk earlier, thinking about all of the data privacy concerns. So those are two, I think those are two places, uh, you know, in 2020 where I've seen more focus. Yeah, yeah. Just just riffing on the the privacy part for a bit. I think that uh, consumers in general are becoming. So I think in, industry is always going to be, uh, you know, ten steps ahead of the, what the consumer realizes that industry is really doing with all of their data. But consumers are starting to become a lot more cognizant, especially with seeing seeing data impact a lot of real world, you know, things around them. Uh, and uh, just being really, really cognizant of being transparent with how you're using folks' data, that's becoming a much bigger uh, bigger point for companies, and they re they're realizing now that they need to address that like front on as opposed to saying, we'll, we'll get to that after we make some money off of this. Um, another point that I've seen uh, that's, I've at least seen organizationally in a couple places that I've worked is uh, people are people have traditionally underestimated the the data science ops type stuff. So similar to what you're talking about with with edge devices, but even like pulling it back a step, like you hire a, a PhD data scientist that can build you an awesome model. Um, great, that model looks good on paper, but how do you actually like put that into production and enable things to actually happen in, in near real time from that? That's a huge, huge pain point. Yeah, it, it, that, yeah, that is. I've seen that time and time again. That kind of DevOps work, it's always harder than you think it's going to be. It always involves more pieces. Um, one thing I want to come back to, something Zach said about where we are today, about how there's more awareness of data science, and it's not, people know that 
you need to try it. There's probably going to be some sort of business value. I think one thing that's really great is there's a lot of tools out there now. So if you have a little bit of understanding of how to use Python and you're, you're curious, there's so many online tools where you can, where you can quickly spin something up and start proto prototyping and playing around with it. Now, there's a lot of steps between that and, as Zach pointed out, actually getting something into production. But I think one cool thing about where we're at now is there's a lot more open source tools that people can try if they're curious and want to learn more. Mm -hmm. So within the next five to 10 years, let's say we solve for some of that stuff. We come up with privacy regulations that are you know, national and that we can kind of build around. And we are interacting with edge devices as well. I think I summarized that right. And, uh, and have the deployment kind of figured out. What do you guys think is going to be sort of uh, something that will, while it doesn't hurt now, is going to be a pain point later on? That's kind of a weird question, but if you have anything on your mind. One, one general trend that I think is going on definitely in uh, computer vision and natural language processing is just the algorithmic size is kind of exploding. So like a lot of like the, the big architectures that you see that are like making a big splash that like uh, uh, Uber is using for their computer vision systems or things like that, or the state-of-the-art natural language algorithms, those things are huge, have like millions and millions of parameters. So just figuring out how you either scale up your architecture to be able to handle some of that stuff in near real time or scale down your models while still getting the performance. I think that that's going to be a challenge because be, like before uh, before like the, the age of GPUs that we're kind of in now, like we didn't really even have the compute to really explore this space. Now we have that compute to explore this space and we've kind of like said, we'll just throw all the compute at it and let's do all the things. But that's going to hit some saturation point in the next few years, I would think, that, uh, uh, that we're going to have to deal saturation. with. Saturation? point you said what yes yeah, okay I should hear yeah, yeah, yeah so some just some point where like okay well we've done all of this stuff we can keep going down this trajectory but like let's kind of get back to let's put our feet back on the ground and like really think about how we're going to make all of this stuff useful because it's difficult to productionize some of these models and especially when you're talking about edge yeah. devices you yeah. really have to you know put your like put yourself within a reasonable box yeah um I think when it comes to explainability too, right? Just throwing in eight bazillion parameters, maybe your models are amazing, but nobody knows why, and it's hard to actually make a decision based on that because you don't, you know, if you're building a churn model and you don't understand why this customer is at risk of churning, yeah. how do you take action, right? You have a number, like, they're probably going to leave your business, but you don't have any idea why, so it makes it harder to engage with them. Right. Um, so I agree I, totally with what Zach was saying. One thing that came to my mind was concerns around ethics. Right, you know, there's a, we're in an election cycle now, and you know, we hear a lot about deep fakes, and we, you know, like uh, actors from other countries, you know, putting fake news in our Facebook feeds and all of that. And I think there's a much broader discussion to be had about ethics around all of this, and how do we how do we handle it? And it's not about like, oh, take away the technology, right? That's not going to solve anything. But I think sort of being more thoughtful and are there rules and regulations around it? I'm not, you know, I don't, I'm not a legal scholar, obviously, but I think yeah. that that's something that we're going to be hearing more and more about, you know, we know that algorithms can be biased if the data going into them is biased, all of these things. And so I think those conversations, we're, we're going to have to deal with that more and more as we should. Yeah. So day to day when you guys are doing your jobs, um, what are some mental models or thought processes that you use uh, when, you're, when you're approaching problems, or maybe you have to remind yourself of these things constantly, or it's like a, a, a data mantra that you have running on loop 
in the back of your mind, uh, what are some of those things that you guys use on a day-to-day basis in the field? Uh, so I, I, uh, one thing that I, I was having a conversation with my coworker, uh, I just started a, a new position recently and I, w- I was just talking with one of my coworkers about like what I should focus on because there's, there's so many different things that you can focus on with, uh, with data science. And one bit of advice that he gave me that I've kind of been sticking with lately is uh, when, you, when you see something, you're like, hmm, that's interesting. Avoiding just chasing down yeah. interesting things and kind of always truing back to how is this actually going to add add some sort of value? Like how is this going to be impactful? Because you can chase down interesting for months at a time and then just spin your wheels. You can maybe learn a lot of cool stuff and that, that can be intellectually stimulating. But at the end, at the end of the day, we actually want to have some sort of an impact. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so not just chasing interesting, but making sure that I'm truing back to how is this actually going to have some sort of an impact? Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be just like a dollar impact to the bottom line. It can be I've gained some insight out of doing some analysis or something, but always trying to true back to something that you're pointing towards as opposed to just like bouncing around and, and chasing interesting. Yeah, I think that's good advice. I think the other thing too is, is you're, if you actually have to be in the weeds doing these things, like sometimes I get into this place where I'm like, oh, cool, I understand it. I'm almost done. But almost done usually doesn't mean that because there's always some final thing I have to do to tie it off or I finish this thing, but like, shoot, I forgot to put in like the security so anyone can hit this API endpoint. That's bad. You know, just like little things that every time I feel like I'm done or I've got it, I understand there's always a little bit more. And I think the other thing too is always leave yourself a lot of time to deploy because I always feel there's always some deployment headache at the last minute. Like you've run through it a bazillion times or you have some sort of sense of what you're doing. And then somehow when you have to deploy, it always feels like a scramble. I don't know if you have this, but I always feel like something comes up at the last minute and you're like, always. always. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so guys, thanks so much for taking the time. Oh um, where can people find you on social media or elsewhere. Right here. Maybe not an address, yeah. <laughs> but like online, if someone wants to kind of like stay up to date with what you guys are up to, where should they look? Uh, so LinkedIn, uh, I think we're both on LinkedIn. Um, Twitter, I'm on Twitter, just at Miriam Friedel. Instagram, although that's mostly pictures of my kids, not data science related things. Um, I actually, is it bad form to put in a little plug for a podcast no, on this no. podcast? Okay. Um, so at Scafos, uh, we did five episodes of an applied machine learning uh, podcast. So if anyone's interested in that, it's also available on iTunes and Spotify. Um, but That's I, you the know, name, Applied Machine Learning? It's a, yeah, the Scafos Applied Machine Learning Podcast, where I talk to different data science leaders to understand some of their challenges around really operationalizing machine learning and making it useful. Um, but yeah, you know, the usual, and you're the host, I'm the host. Yes. Right, I'm the so host. I know. Follow you. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so this is really fun. So thank you for, for having us, but yeah, you know, the usual places. Yeah. Yeah. So LinkedIn, uh, and then, uh, as Miriam mentioned, I also run a data science meetup here. Uh, so you can just Google or look up on meetup.com RVA, uh, data science community or Richmond data science community, uh, come out. We try to have a meeting every month and it's not just like super down in the weeds data science stuff. We try to cater to a very, very broad audience. So uh, come and check us out. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, guys. And for anyone who has wandered into the room, this is uh, RVA Tech Talks. And I'm sitting down here with Zachary Brown and Miriam Friedel. Yeah. Um, and uh, we just had a quick chat about what they were up to. And you can find RVA Tech Talks on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify and elsewhere. 
Um, so again, guys, thanks so much for taking the time and enjoy the rest of your day. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thanks a lot for it. All right. Yep. Oh, questions. Well, oh. Do we have time? I, we have like four minutes. Um, yeah, actually, let's, can we do one question? Four. Yeah, we do four minutes of questions. Yeah. What's one of your onboarding? Can you talk about your onboarding Onboarding. Um, it depends on the organization and team. When I was at Elder Research, sometimes the onboarding is we would just throw people into a project, and they would we would we you know they would have mentoring for more senior data scientists and data engineers. But sometimes you learn by doing. Sometimes there's specific. Um, it really depends on the tech stack. But usually, you know, Python I think is is becoming the lingua franca of productionalization and data science. I mean, R is still around, um, but really. Uh, I, I, I don't think there's one size fits all really for onboarding. I think it depends on the org. You could yeah, I, I think that. The, the, the issues around onboarding, the, the biggest barriers to entry tend to be things like tribal knowledge. So like how do you actually distill that and hand that off to somebody else? But uh, I mean the things that you can like effectively do for onboarding are just removing any sort of technical barriers and getting people functional as quickly as possible. So like having good documentation around how do you get access to standard data that your team yeah. is using. Uh, how you, like do people use Conda installed locally on their laptops, yeah. or do they use some sort of cloud notebooks? Things like that, and just passing that on, so you can just start doing like hello world and new environment as quickly as possible. Uh, I think that that's yeah. yeah. Documentation. Yeah. You everyone document all. You guys the heard it first yeah. here. Documentation. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so I just realized we're not really equipped for like questions because I don't think we have a mic floating around. Yeah. Um, so we're gonna call it that. Um, but uh, but awesome. Thanks again, yeah, no, guys. Yeah. Thank and, you, uh, Lauren. Yeah. All right. All right, guys. Tune in in two weeks for the next episode of RVA Tech Talks. And as always, we're tremendously appreciative of this week's sponsor, Summit Human Capital. And please reach out to them at summithumancapital.com. And a shout out to Claire Morgan at nodderly.com who edited this episode. 